0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. We're in chambers this week, and we are going to clear the docket with me, as always, the hardest working man in
1: show business, Judge Brother Number 1, Judge John Hodgman. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. We're glad you're here. Um, and, uh, and Jesse, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here, John. Do you want to clear the docket? Let's get rid of that docket, because it's you know what it is right now? Unclear. Well, we've got something
0: from Andy. All right. Dear Judge Hodgman, what's the appropriate phrase to use upon seeing a Volkswagen Beetle prior to giving someone a gentle fist-based tap? hmm uh, Punch in the shoulder. Punch in the shoulder. I believe the correct phrase is slug bug. My wife thinks punch buggy is correct and has taught our sons to think the same. I like slug bug. Not just because it's what I grew up with, but also because one, it's more directly derived from the common nickname for the vehicle, the bug. And two, the phrase has an internal rhyme and a punchier rhythm. I have no desire to stop my wife and kids from using their preferred phrase. I only ask that you rule that they acknowledge slug bug is the better version and that i be allowed to use slug bug
1: without ridicule. Slug bug. I had never heard that before. Jesse, you're familiar with this um, hit your friend game, right?
0: Yeah, I previously had known
1: it only as punch buggy. I've only ever heard of it as punch buggy. And yet I looked it up. I'm sorry, what? I'm laughing because
0: it occurred to me that his elaborate circumlocution of the word punch in his description of what you do, uh, he described it as a gentle fist-based tap.
1: Yes. uh, Was intentional. Let me say this. First of all, to the merits of this case, The gentleman, Andy, only wants to call it the way he grew up calling it. And I gather that Slug Bug is a regional variation of the age-old, or at least if that age is as old as Beatles have been around, a game of seeing this particular kind of car, calling it out, usually by color. And you say, punch buggy red or punch buggy green, depending on the color of the car, right? And you punch your friend in the shoulder. (sighs) This is a real game. And it is called Slug Bug, according to Wikipedia. It's also called Punch Bug or Punch Car or Physical Assault Buggy or Startle Your Dad While He's Driving So You Both Almost Die Bug, which is how I play it with my son. My son goes to a school on the other side of Brooklyn, and when I can, I give him a ride there in our family car. And whenever he sees one of these buggies, he goes, Punch Buggy Red, Punch, and I almost drive off the road. And I can't do that in New York traffic. Come on, son. If you're listening, thanks, by the way. Thanks for taking an interest. But please stop punching me (laughs) while I drive. (laughs) Yeah, if
0: any of my kids are listening, I just want them to know I love them.
1: Yeah. And my instinct was always that I didn't get this game. I didn't understand it. It violated two rules. One, it was hurtful. And the other, it was arbitrary. Two rules I could not (laughs) tolerate as a child. But I didn't really appreciate how awful it is until I read this Wikipedia page on the game of slunch buggy, slunch bubby, which uh, pointed out that in 2009, the Volkswagen automobile company commissioned an ad from the advertising agency Deutsch that used this in the ad and was not just buggies. It was not just beetles. The whole ad was people seeing a Volkswagen And then they would turn to the other one and go, uh, they renamed it because it was all the things. It was Punch Dub, as in VW. Sure. And it's all these people just turning to each other going, Punch Dub White, and then punching their friends and their coworkers and their family members in the arm. Not always softly. And it's clear that the other person doesn't like it. This is in the ad. And as you see this over and over and over again, It's really terrible. It upset me. Especially one moment. This is a televised ad from 2009. One of the greatest years I was still making Apple ads. This was the low point of 2009. A child in this Punch Dub ad sees a Jetta or something, and he goes, Punch Dub White, and he turns to his grandpa and, like, punches (laughs) his grandpa, like, in a private area. Like, I think they try to play it as the upper thigh, but the implication is clear. It was a national ad campaign. So. About private punching grandpas. Yeah. So I think we've moved on as a culture since 2009. Obviously, that ad campaign is not in the works anymore, though I drive a VW, a Passat station wagon, discontinued. Don't hate me, but I got one. It's pretty good. But VW, you know, is is now the pariah of the auto industry for misleading people about its diesel mileage or whatever it was that they did
0: if i was vw i'd be thinking about bringing back that ad where tony hale is in a car in a parking garage and he's listening to domo regato mr roboto yeah he's doing a dance yeah and you're like hey that's tony hale from
1: arrested development because you can see the future when you saw it
0: right in (laughs) 1998 or
1: whatever yeah yeah and also vw i'm not mad at you i drive one of your cars you want to do an ad campaign with the guy who used to be in the Apple ads? I'm your man. Well, there are only two of us. I hope you pick me. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. I hope you pick me. But if you pick Justin, that's fine, too. Bad news. They picked Patrick Warburton. He made an appearance once. Oh, that's right. So many people pass through those Apple ads, and some you never even saw. Big actors who never, they, they killed the ad. Jenna Fisher from The Office. I mean, I'm not allowed to say that, but she was in one. I don't think it ever aired. Patrick Warburton wow. was a delight. Seth Morris from UCB was a delight. Oh, guy's as good as it gets. Zach Galifianakis was in one. Galifianakis Attack? Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins. They played dueling Santa Clauses. The world will never know what I saw. <laughs> I'm like Rector Hauer at the end of Blade Runner. <laughs> I've seen attack ships off the arm of Orion or whatever, and it all is going to go away like tears in the rain. Unless I write it all down. In any case, Andy... I find in your favor, you can call it slug bug. That is fine. The law, of course, is no punchbacks. But also the law is no punching. Stop punching each other, everybody. It's no fun. It's no fun for the punchy. We had a rule in my family. My daughter was very young, like a toddler. We had a cat that is no longer alive named Francis. It was my wife's cat before we were married. She adopted this cat. This is a secret of hers that I'm going to tell. The cat was named Francis because it was a black cat and she was a fan of the Pixies. Mm. So she named it Black Francis. This is not something we've ever revealed to our acquaintance, Charles Thompson, a.k.a. Black Francis, who we used to see her from time to time in Western Massachusetts with his lovely wife and family, Violet Clark, and kids.
0: Well, I've got bad news for you, John. This is going to be quite a disappointment to my vacation home acquaintance, St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> I have a vacation home in Assisi. Yeah,
1: And somewhere out there, Annie Clark, also known as St. Vincent, is thinking to herself, listening to this podcast, going, why don't I know these guys? <laughs> I guarantee you that Annie Clark is not thinking that. In any case, we had this adorable, dumb, huge cat, Francis. He was a dum dumb. I love dumb cats. And our daughter was trying to pull its tail. And I'm like, don't pull the cat's tail. And she said, no, it's fun. And I came up with this great parenting line that I've used ever since. It is not fun for everybody. It's not fun at all. Wow. Well, it blew her mind. And I was relieved that she stopped torturing the cat, both for the cat's sake and because I was concerned that she was going to grow up to become a sociopath. But she's not. (laughs) Very kind young woman. Well, when your child tortures small animals, (laughs) kind of a red flag, but it's all fine. It's all good. Also, my daughter at that time could not pronounce Francis's name. She called him Fatty, which was accurate. And when she was exploring that whole region of Francis that that had the tail on it for the pulling, she was curious about Francis's bum. And my wife said, no, that's Francis's bum. Leave it alone. And to this day, we still repeat what my daughter said. I'm talking about verboten things. That's Fatty's bum. Leave it. Fatty's buff, even. So anyway, Andy, if it's not fun for everybody, it's no fun at all. I'm telling you, as a, a subject of this game, it's very distracting to get punched by someone you love, even in a light fist-based tap kind of way when you're trying to drive. So don't do it. But you're right. You're right anyway. Bug is fine.
0: How do you feel about the game where you make an OK symbol below your waist and then if you get somebody to look at it, you get to punch them? <laughs> Do you know that one? You know how I feel about that one? Fatty's bum. Leave it. (laughs) Keiko says, My boyfriend complains that his neighbors don't take their clothes out of the washers and dryers in a timely manner. I think it's totally okay to take their clothes out and put them in the basket, especially if you're in a hurry. But he thinks we shouldn't touch other people's
1: clothes, like their underwear. What do you say, John? Well, Jesse, I have some experience in this as I have lived in, in several apartment buildings with shared laundry rooms. Uh, as well as dormitory type situations. I presume you have as well, Jesse, in your life?
0: I have too, although I've never really had this problem such that it it got in the way of my life. I think I probably lived in shared accommodations, certainly at UC Santa Cruz with people who simply didn't wash.
1: Oh, okay. I was going to say, boy, the people of Santa Cruz are fast washers. No, (laughs) No, they're they're non-washers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The volume is lower, so there's less of a bottleneck. (laughs)
1: I don't know what it is about New England where I grew up. That's a region of the United States in the Northeast the United States, Jesse. Maybe it's just our laid-back way of life. People uh-huh. in New England are famous for just sort of taking their time. What's your hurry? Sure. sure. Sit out on the porch and have some sweet tea and let your underwear molder in the dryer or the washer. Sure. Yeah. You don't have to get down there for a couple of days. But people would do it all the time in all of the shared... Uh, laundry rooms that I experienced in New England and in New York. And I'm telling you what I did and I thought was fine. If you're down there and someone has left their stuff in the wash and especially in the dryer and you do your cycle and you're ready to put it in the dryer and they haven't come at all, just get in there, grab it, put it on top, take out their stuff, put it on top. You don't want to pour through it or anything. You want to kind of avert your eyes. You don't want to try it on or anything like that. And I always felt that that was reasonable. I felt like that's apt punishment for not being on top of your stuff. You've got to be on top of your stuff when you're using a shared facility. It would get awkward from time to time, very rarely, when they come down into the laundry room and you're elbow deep in their boxer briefs or whatever. They catch you in the act. But that's your punishment for getting up in their stuff. The system evens out, <laughs> is what I'm saying. It's a self-managing system like a fractal. Yeah, exactly. This is a self-managing shame system. If you're so late that you come down and you see someone has put your stuff on top of the dryer or whatever, uh, and you're like, well, that's what I pay. They touched my stuff that touched the most intimate parts of me. Do you disagree? Do you th- what do you think, Jesse? No, that makes sense to me. Although, you know, when I have
0: lived in apartment buildings and in dorm buildings, uh, which I did for many years... Um, and and even here in the MaxFun offices in Los Angeles, which are uh, in a live-work building, so there are plenty of folks doing plenty of laundry in the laundry room, generally there's a policy. So before I went rogue, I might chat with the apartment building manager and say, hey, you know, I've noticed that sometimes people
1: leave stuff down there. Could we put up a sign or something? Oh, the equivalent of asking the fast food store... Whether you can get free soda water or not. Yeah, I I guess so. Figure out what their policy is. Just so people are forewarned and therefore forearmed. I think that someone should invent laundry tongs. (laughs) like Big tongs. (laughs) So you can get that stuff out of there without having to touch it. Let's patent that together, Jesse.
0: I would imagine that Keiko's boyfriend maybe is a little more sensitive to this because uh, he is not unreasonably more likely to be seen as a creepo uh, uh-huh. for handling the undergarments of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even in a very reasonable situation like this. And I think, I think a nice sign would make it clear to everybody whose responsibility it is to keep the washers and dryers clear and what the consequences, the very, very mild consequences are, if you don't.
1: Well, I'm going to say that in the case of how I'm going to adjudicate this, I'm going to rule in Keiko's favor. It's okay. But I think with the caveat that my wise bailiff has suggested that Keiko's boyfriend and indeed Keiko herself, if they live in the same building or if they even if she has a different building, you know, get on that email list with your fellow tenants, ask if there's a policy and create one. Maybe put up a sign. Communication is always a good answer. Usually communicating is better than touching people's underwear. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's take a quick break. We've got more stuff on the docket coming up in just a minute on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
1: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
0: (laughs) Hard to believe.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find
0: us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We are clearing the docket
1: in chambers and we have something from Roxy. Hang on. Before we get to Roxy, I just want to establish what we've settled so far. Yeah. Some pretty important legal precedents have been set in part one of the podcast. One, don't punch people. Two, don't touch their underwear. Three, if it's not fun for everybody, it's no fun at all. Have we ever talked about, I think, the
0: only time I ever got punched? No. I was in front of St. Mary's Hospital on Valencia Street in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. a block from my uh, father's apartment. And um, I was wearing this 49ers jacket that I'd gotten at the Burlington Coat Factory, not to brag, just Mm -hmm, reality. My dad took me there, said I could pick anything I wanted. And I picked this 49ers sort of Letterman style jacket. I was walking down the street. I I was maybe 13. I saw an older, slightly cooler kid wearing the same jacket, walking the opposite direction. I said, hey, cool jacket. And he punched me. (laughs) (laughs) And then he laughed at me and kept walking. Oh, no. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry, Jesse. It's okay. I mean, you didn't get me that good. It was very shocking, though. No. Oh, yeah. I got punched on the subway in New York City once. Wow, really? Yeah, it was right after I moved here. It was a very crowded train. It was a number six train. On the Upper East Side is not well served by the subways. But at the time, it was very, very small old trains. People were all bunched up together. And I kind of was moving my way into the middle of the car. And I kind of accidentally brushed by someone's back. And the guy turned around. And he said, don't touch my back. I'm like, I'm sorry. And he said, I said, don't touch my back. I'm like, okay. And then he took his hand down from where he was holding onto the strap or the bar and just elbowed me in the face. All of a sudden, it was not crowded <laughs> in that car at all. <laughs> all. Like people found new dimensions to escape to, to get away from. <laughs> and a seat opened up immediately and he sat down, but it was crowded enough that I really couldn't go anywhere. And I was just hanging on and I, you know, we're there together for a long time in silence. And a couple of stops later, he looked up and he was in tears. He was a young guy. And he was like, I'm really sorry. I'm just having a really terrible time. I'm like, I understand. Holy cow. Yeah. That story really came around, John. <laughs> well, I think of it a lot when I think about, you know, there are pros and cons to living in a big city. Like one of them is you might, you, you, you you might get an elbow in the face but also you're pushed into small spaces together in a highly dense diverse population you have to live together rather than someone you know getting in a road rage and driving away and never seeing the other person you, that was sort of the sense of like you have to live together you have to find a way to get along you're gonna have to be on this train for a little while longer the train now being a metaphor for all of you know New York or whatever
0: mm-hmm.
1: of course I sued the guy into oblivion <laughs> <laughs> Oh, one other thing we settled in part one of this podcast, uh, speaking of not to brags, we did establish that um, I know Black Francis a little bit. Hi, you guys. Yeah. Hope you're listening.
0: I guess I learned from my experience
1: uh, not to wear white as a guest at a wedding. Oh, you mean if you wore a bridal dress to a wedding? Yeah. Then you say cool dress, then the bride might punch you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I'm
0: really grasping at straws here. I haven't done any like moth workshops. Maybe Dan Kennedy could help
1: me out with finding a moral to my story. You know, I think that it's a a variation on the Tom Sharpling principle. Uh Uh-huh. One of the many principles of The Best Show, hosted by Tom Sharpling. Check it out at thebestshow.net, which is like, don't tell people that they look like someone from the movies or television or anyone else. Do you know what I mean? Because- It's very rarely flattering. It often makes someone feel terrible. We have a Jordan Jesse Go rule about that. What is it? Uh, Never
0: tell someone that they look like someone famous unless that person is famous for being attractive.
1: Oh, yeah. I think we've discussed this before. That's a great thing.
0: And to be clear, like, you're not allowed to say it if you find that famous person attractive. They have to be famous for being attractive. Right. Like, you look like Brad Pitt. Exactly. I'm sure there are listeners who would be kind enough to say, I think, Jesse or John, that you are attractive. Yeah. But neither of us is famous for being attractive. So don't tell anyone on the street that they look like one of us. <laughs>
1: That's the rule. Okay. Wait wait, something- wait, wait, wait. No, no, I'm sorry. You opened the door. Yeah. <laughs> and I will allow this digression as the judge. I'm going to save this for my new book, but I'm going to say it here later. You're going to read about it then. When I shaved my beard and my disgusting soul patch and only had a mustache so as to star in the television show *Blind Spot*, hit television show on NBC. Starred in two episodes. Hmm. I kind of
0: thought the star of that was Ennis Asmer.
1: Go ahead. (laughs) He wasn't even on the show yet. He was a recurring character that they did not kill and instead made a series regular. He kind of came in and seized the day, I guess. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was so good. They were like, we, we have to have him on and let's not kill him. That was not how they felt about my character. Spoilers. Another spoiler? With just my mustache, if my hair falls a certain way, I look like Hitler. <laughs> I know this. I've known it my whole life. What I didn't need was uh, the guy who parks my car to tell me that. <laughs> I mentioned that I have a car in New York City. And we park it in a garage. There's an attendant there. And one time I was getting out of it, having worked that morning on spot, And he goes, you know who you look like? Hitler. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, okay. Like, why are you, you're supposed to pretend to like me at least, <laughs> you know, like it's part of our professional relationship that you don't say that I look like history's most notorious villain, mass murderer, evil person. How do you think that's going to affect my tipping? Of course I tipped him <laughs> double, right? That's the only thing you can do. <laughs> But then he kind of laughed. He goes, no, man, you really look like Hitler. That, And he's acting as though he was saying to me, I look like Brad Pitt. There's no life lesson in that one. And so if you're wearing a 49ers jacket, you know, people, when they dress, you know, this as a sartorial engineer, they want to feel that that's their look. If You call out to the guy walking down the street. Hey, I've got the same jacket on. You're going to get punched, especially if there's a beetle around. All right. That's my time at the moth, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>
0: Here's something from Roxy. My girlfriend insists on both drawing and animating using a mouse. I wish for the judge to instead order her to use a tablet rather than forcing her through the absurdly masochistic act that is drawing with a mouse. It's drawing on a computer. Yeah, one presumes so. <laughs> be horrible if your judge... Just... Using a mouse as a writing implement, I guess you would dip it in an inkwell?
1: Yeah, would you dip its little snout or would you dip its little <laughs> tail? I don't know. I guess if you starched the tail, you could use that. Yeah, we're circling back around to a <laughs> abusing small animals motif that I'm finding disturbing now. So let's presume for the sake of argument that Roxy's girlfriend is using a computer mouse to animate and draw on a computer. Now, I sympathize. I spend a lot of time Drawing with a mouse in Mac paint on my original 1984 era Macintosh 128K. You weren't even born yet, Jesse, when I was drawing with a mouse on my Macintosh computer.
0: I happen to have once owned an Apple 2 Plus, so. Oh,
1: really?
0: Yeah. It was used. It was a few years old when we got it.
1: That's super old school. Did you play um, Decathlon on it? (laughs) I did. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good time. Did you ever have a black and white Macintosh computer? And if so, did you ever play Dark Castle on it?
0: Nah, those are for rich kids.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, I had one and I used that Mac paint to do some drawings. And I can't remember whether it was me or Mitchell Verder who did a really sweet, very difficult illustration of Cyclops from the X-Men. With Cyclops looking directly like you, as the viewer, were directly in the lines of Cyclops's eye beams. And by the way, everyone who sent me letters before, I get it now. They're beams, not lasers. They're force beams, not burn beams. Ugh. I think it was Mitchell. Mitchell Verder definitely wrote psych underneath, C Y K E. But I think we collaborated on the illustration. Mitch, if you're out there, and you're listening, get in touch with me. It's Hodgman at MaximumFund.org. It would be great to hear from you. I haven't seen you in a long, long time. But as mind-blowing as it was to be able to manipulate pixels on a screen in 1984, it was primitive. And Cyclops probably looked terrible. And I can't understand why now that these highly sensitive tablets, which allow you to essentially, you know, draw with a writing implement or drawing implement, why you wouldn't do this, Roxy's girlfriend, I don't get it. But you know what, Roxy's girlfriend? I bet you have a reason. It's a choice that you're making, right? Unless you don't have access to a tablet, in which case Roxy, get your girlfriend a tablet. My guess is that it's Roxy's girlfriend's art to do it this way. And Roxy, let her do her thing. You know what I did on one of those all-in-one Macintosh
0: computers? I visited my uncle, my stepmother's brother, John, in Belfast in Northern Ireland, yeah. And I played on his Macintosh computer the game Crystal Quest. Yo, hey, hoo, 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 yes. Where you move your mouse around and you collect crystals. Yep. And uh, I beat all of his high scores. Oh, boy. There wasn't that much to do at his house for a kid, you know, because he was right. a grown-up. Right. He didn't have kids. Right. And then we went to Donegal, which is in the northern part of the Republic of Ireland, on a little... Like, uh, you know, seaside vacation, mm-hmm. cold seaside vacation. You'd have liked it.
1: Mm-hmm. Sounds like my thing.
0: Then came back to Belfast and stayed, uh, you know, a week later at my uncle's house again. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he had cleared all the high scores.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> my 40-year-old uncle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's a good guy, though. In fact, I'm not even going to say he's a good guy, though. He's a good guy because of that. That's right. like one of the many great things about
1: him. Look, I don't like to truck in a lot of national stereotypes, but it's, we all know the Irish are very Crystal Quest proud. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he have Dark Castle or what? That's what I'm saying. Dark Castle. No, I
0: don't think he had Dark Castle. I don't think I've ever played Dark Castle.
1: You know, that's the game. I know that there are... A bunch of middle-aged dads listening to this right now, who are pumping their fists in memory of Dark Castle. That was an amazing game. You play a little guy, and you you're trying to defeat the Black Knight, who's at the boss level of all these different sort of puzzle screens where you got to jump around and you got to carefully aim your arm to throw a rock at a rat. And when the rat dies, it goes <laughs> <laughs> and when. And when you make a successful jump, you go, yeah. And I've, they have emulators online, but you can't save it. You can't. Someone's got to hook me up with this dark castle. Someone out there has this, and I need, I need it as soon as possible.
0: Rula says, I'm bringing the case against my husband, Peter, for throwing away sordid recycling. We pay for a recycling service and have a separate recycling bin in our kitchen. But Peter believes that the recycling company doesn't recycle most of what they collect. If we're not going to be on the same page about recycling, then I don't think we should be paying a monthly premium to recycle. I'd like to lessen my carbon footprint and recycle, but Peter thinks it's all a scam. Help bring justice to our household. Hmm.
1: Well, I have a question that I would like to pose directly to Rula. Rula, does Peter have any evidence that supports his non-recycling conspiracy theory? I'll take your silence as evidence that you're not actually in the room with me, but also that he doesn't have any. Now, if I'm wrong, Peter, please write in and tell me, Hodgman at maximumfund.org. Especially write in if you've got a copy of Dark Castle that you can send me. But if I'm wrong, Peter, write me and tell me. I would love to hear about your adventure, your overnight stakeout at the dump where you saw and observed and maybe video-recorded the dump workers laughing and laughing at all the rubes like Rula who actually separate their recycling all while they're just tossing all those glass jars and plastic bottles into a pit of poison fire. Ha ha ha. But if you didn't do that, if you don't know for sure, haven't seen with your own eyes that this sorted recycling is just getting tossed in with the other trash, then I say to you, Peter, what I yell to every dude on a bicycle without a helmet in Brooklyn who run the red lights when I'm driving my son to school. Guys, stop it. The rules also apply to you. You are not smarter than the rules, dudes. We make rules for everyone's benefit. Obviously, it's not precisely the same because this is an opt-in program to recycling. It's not as though... But if you think you're smarter than the world uh, based on zero evidence, then the system breaks down. And if you're a dude without a helmet who thinks that the rules of the road don't apply to you, then, what's going to happen is my son's going to go punch Buggy Silver, punch me in the arm, and then I'm accidentally going to drive into you. Not talking to you, Peter, anymore. Sorry. Got a little distracted there. Peter, I sentence you not only to honor the separated recycling, but also go spend a night at the dump. <laughs> you have to go spend a whole night at a waste treatment facility. And you're not even allowed to have fun when you're doing it. You're not even allowed to act in an episode of Amazon's forthcoming season two of The Tick, which is what I did the last time I spent a night at the dump. Did I tell you that, Jesse? No. You
0: told me that you were in season two of The Tick. I'm very excited about it. It's a great show. But I didn't know that you spent that night
1: at the dump. Spoiler. Well, it's not a spoiler because I won't reveal what happened. But I got to enjoy not one, not two, but three overnight shoots. At the Newtown Creek Wastewater Treatment Facility in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, where they have magnificent, huge, futuristic silver eggs called digesters, where all of New York City's poop goes. (laughs) Three whole nights I had to stay awake. It was actually pretty magical. So thanks. Season two of The Tick coming out sometime next year.
0: Isn't the deal with recycling basically that the reason it is third on the list of reduce, reuse, recycle is because it is the least efficient of those three things. It's the one that helps the earth the least. It's less efficient than you wish it would be. You imagine if you throw a can into the recycling bin, it comes out as a clean new can immediately with no cost. Right. But that is not an argument for throwing that can in the garbage instead.
1: Look. If you have to throw a can in the garbage every now and then, because there's no other way to dispose of it, it happens. I get it, Peter. But Peter is peddling a conspiracy theory that all of the recycling just gets thrown in the garbage later on down the line. And if that's true, then okay, go for it, Peter. But prove to me that that's true. I don't think that he's done his legwork. I think he's been listening to too much talk radio.
0: I will say this, John. You generally speaking can't recycle pizza boxes.
1: Do you know why? because of the grease that's right they're food soiled john i had to talk with the dumb person about that and it was very uh edifying
0: let's take a quick break when we come back we'll hear about coffee cups and ooh, pebble ice my favorite
1: hello i'm your judge john hodgman the judge john hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you our members of course thank you so much for your support of this podcast, and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babel. Okay, it's 2020-24, 2020 20, 20, 20, Oh, if hindsight were 2020... I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code HODGMAN. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com, promo code HODGMAN. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. We're clearing the docket this week. Here's something from Lucy. Lucy. Why does every cafe have wide-mouthed, shallow, dinky-handled cups with saucers? Liquid becomes lukewarm the minute it's poured into these things. Unless you chug its contents, you've got a $5 cup of garbage. Why? <laughs> it doesn't say to say garbage like that. As sort of like an interpretation from me.
1: No, I think you're really embodying Lucy's rage here. Give me more. Why is this? Do some people like these cups? Are cafes just trying to move patrons
0: along and discourage loitering? Are they all just sheep getting these crappy cups because everyone else has them? Can I bring my own mug? My husband John doesn't think I can. Can you shed light on this? And if you agree with me, can you
1: shame these cafes? All right, Jesse, that was great. Let's do it one more time. (laughs) I think we have rage covered now. Let's try maybe n- natural. <laughs> Good audition. Thank you for coming. Thank you. In. Oh, okay. I mean, I could do it no, a different uh, no, way. No, do, no, no, you, no, no, do you no, no. have I think my Do you great. have my headshot? Do you have my yeah, headshot? No, we ha- you we, have my number? We have it. Just um
0: Do you, is there anything else I can
1: Oh, you know what you can could do? Can I read something else? I have um, a
0: contemporary and a classical.
1: Just uh, uh stand up and um say your name for the camera and humiliate yourself by saying your height and weight. <laughs> It's an audition thing that happens. I don't think they've ever asked me my weight. I don't think so. Oh, Lucy. So mad, but I I don't blame. I think Lucy's problem is that she's going to coffee houses um, in 1997. <laughs> I do not know what she's talking about, but I do remember those big <laughs> mugs and saucers from 1997. She could be. Was there a character named Lucy on Friends? Yeah. It felt very central perk to me, what she was describing. And I was just thinking about this recently because we had in our neighborhood here in Brooklyn um, a couple of uh, late 90s house holdovers. It was actually a tea place called the Tea Lounge. And they were trying to be for tea what central perk had been for coffee. And it had this total Friends vibe with these overstuffed velvet couches and these, like, ratty Persian rugs and, like, mismatched coffee tables and this whole sort of, like, ugh, 90s corduroy bohemian vibe. And I had those mugs, those big oversized mugs that are very wide and, like, saucers that you don't want. But those, I don't see those anymore. So maybe I think, uh, Lucy, you need to find another coffee house because oh, I've been all across this great land and most coffee houses I've gone to, uh, coffee shops, coffee houses, cafes, whatever you want to call them. They have... Uh, but they'll have mugs if you want to be, uh, you know, ecologically minded and not take a paper cup. And uh, But they're usually just regular old mugs. Straight sides, deep, thick-walled, keeps your coffee hot. But to answer your question, if every coffee shop in your weird pocket dimension that is stuck in friend's time only serves coffee in those wide bowl-type mugs or, or coffee cups, you are absolutely right to bring in your own mug. I think that's perfectly reasonable. You're doing the planet right by selecting the mug option and bringing your own mug. That's called reusing. Or you could
0: just hold one of those big wide mugs with
1: both hands and be in like a yogurt commercial. (laughs) Nescafe moments. Yeah. Next time we do a promo for the show, the Judge and Hodgman show, uh, which is this one, whether we do an audio, maybe we can even do a video of it. It's like you and me, on a balcony, early morning, balcony of a cabin in the woods, just drinking big international coffees and just saying to each other, it's good to see you, Jesse. This is our time.
0: <laughs> Could we maybe get out on like a dock in a lake Yeah, where it's real beautiful and green and there's like a mist mm-hmm. and we're each inside a bathtub <laughs> next to each other when we reach over and hold hands?
1: We're in separate bathtubs on the beach? Yeah, and we're both kind of Silver Fox types. (sighs) Yeah, let's do it. I can't wait. Okay, we have a
0: letter here from a listener named Nora. She says, I've been listening to the archives of the podcast and got to an old episode where Jesse said that he likes pebble ice. I wanted to make sure that he knew that fast food restaurants mostly let you buy a bunch of that ice. The sandwich shop Witch Witch advertises it, and a lot of Sonics will let you buy a big bag and take it home. Did you know this, Jesse? I didn't know that. (laughs) Uh, It seems weird to me. (laughs) I don't know if I'm fully prepared. I think the idea of buying a weird machine that only makes pebble ice, of which there is now one available to home consumers... And pebble ice, for listeners who haven't listened for that long, is that kind of round, lightweight, crunchy ice Mm -hmm. that you want to chew on.
1: Mm -hmm. So-called because it's like little pebbles. Yeah. It's for people who want to chew pebbles, but they can't because it's bad for your teeth and society frowns upon it. There's an ice version of pebbles that is okay for you to chew.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I live, uh, like you, I live in an expensive urban center, so I can't afford to have the kind of house that has like a pantry attached to the kitchen uh, where there's like uh, a washer and dryer or whatever, or like a mud room or whatever. I don't have any of these extra rooms, you know? Yeah. So I don't have a place to put it. My kitchen's too small to have a whole ice machine. But I would do that if I had one of those. My concern here is that once I go and pay money to the Sonic, once I go to the Sonic and I say, T.J. Jagodowski sent me, uh, legendary improv actor star of the sonic commercials
1: <laughs> i know who you're talking about that guy yeah
0: um shout out by the way to his improv partner dave who's on a great show called lodge 49 that i really like
1: i've heard good things about that show i should check it out eh your man bruce
0: campbell is so choice in it oh it has some gorgeous bruce campbell work in it i didn't know that bruce was in that i'm embarrassed yeah so anyway To buy enough of this ice to justify my trip to Sonic, I would have to have uh, one of those rooms so that I could have a special freezer where I keep extra frozen things, which is also something that I aspire to, but is impossible for me being a resident of uh, a city where, um, you know, houses cost a million
1: (laughs) dollars. So you you don't have room in your existing freezer for a bag of pebble ice from Sonic? Absolutely not. No. Oh, At the moment, my freezer is full
0: of cassoulet. Oh, because I made some cassoulet in the slow cooker, and you you know you make four servings worth, so you can eat it over the next couple of months, so you don't have to make another lot of cassoulet.
1: That is a wonderful autumnal dish. Anytime
0: I make a stew or mm-hmm. uh, any juicy food, <laughs> gross. i'll I'll allow it i'll freeze a couple tupperwares worth so that i have it for a weeknight dinner in a month you know
1: well i you know as i say cassoulet is one of my favorite autumnal treats but i would say throw that into the lake let your children go hungry and get yourself some pebble ice from sonic treat yourself i got some homemade ice cream in my
0: freezer right now oh what flavors Uh, It's sort of like a chai. Like I started with some black tea and added some cardamom. Mm -hmm. Uh, Very good. That's the only flavor that's in there right now. I I really only eat one bowl of ice cream at a time.
1: Well, holiday time is nigh upon us. And now I've got some very good ideas for a gift for my bailiff, Jesse Thorne. A pocket (laughs) dimension within his own freezer. (laughs) A new house with a room that I can put (laughs) a standalone freezer in. What if I just... What if I just ignored everything you said and sent you a huge standalone freezer? <laughs> Man,
0: I would like to have one. My wife keeps talking about should we have one of those, and I'm like, and put it where? We have three children sleeping in one bedroom.
1: <sighs> well, you know, you could put it in the corner of their bedroom, I suppose. Maybe depending on the form factor, we might be able to fit it under our bed. You know what it could be, Jesse. Oh my god, I've just, this is incredible. You get like a dorm fridge-sized freezer, fill it up with pebble ice, use that as your bedside table. Come on. Oh yeah.
0: Bad news, my fire safe is
1: already my bedside (laughs) table. (laughs) Got my important documents in there. Fair enough. All right. If you have to choose in life between a fire safe and a standalone freezer, two great dad options. Classic dichotomy, fire and ice. That's right. George R. R. Martin would be proud. I think probably the fire safe is the more responsible way to go. Well, we'll find a way to get you pebble ice sometime. In the meantime, I've never heard of Witch Witch. That's apparently a sandwich shop that started in Dallas. Um, good for you guys for carrying that pebble ice. Would you be our sponsor?
0: <laughs> also, TJ Jagodowski, if you're listening, will you be our sponsor? <laughs> also, Tupperware, you got a shout out there. Would you be our sponsor? I think I use Glad Snapware. So Glad Snapware, hit me up. Okay. The docket is clear and we've run out of corporations. That's it for another episode of Judge John Hodgman. Our producer is the great Jennifer Marmer. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. We are on Instagram at Judge John Hodgman. John, you're personally on Instagram as well. Are you at Hodgman there or at John Hodgman? It is John
1: Hodgman. At John Hodgman is my personal Instagram. Please do follow along if you feel like it. But uh, do make a point of following the Judge John Hodgman Instagram. That is a lot of fun. We get a lot of fun photos of cute animals and adorable litigants. I'm put.this.on.
0: Make sure to hashtag your Judge John Hodgman tweets, hashtag JJHO. And check out the Maximum Fun subreddit to discuss this episode. That's at MaximumFun.reddit.com. Submit your cases at MaximumFun.org slash ho or email them to us at hodgman at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast.
1: MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported.